Well, if you're just joining us, we are in week two of an eight-week journey together. How are you doing so far? Hopefully, you will go farther on. Um, There's several of us that are praying for you on a consistent basis that God will give you grace and sustaining capacities to keep on keeping on, to go farther on with the Lord and all that He's up to with you. Well, this past week on the 15th, there were some that were trying to go a little farther on from LaGuardia Airport in New York. You probably heard about the U.S. Airways Flight 1549 that was headed to Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, apparently, uh, they just pulled up the black box today, and so there's investigation still underway. But apparently, uh, a flock of geese hit the plane, or at least got lodged in the engines, and the thing just shut down. And there was no opportunity to get back to an airport. And so, as you know, uh, that uh, jetliner kind of maneuvered its way around uh, a packed city of people, found its way to the Hudson River, and did a splash landing, as they call it, into the frigid waters of the Hudson River. No doubt you've seen the reports over the last few days that uh, once it touched down and uh, passengers began to open up the doors and to get out, some leaped into the water, others got into little life rafts, and a good many of them were able to just step out the door and step onto the wings of the aircraft. And as they did that, a ferry came up, uh, a couple of tugboats came up, some rescue crafts came out, and all 155 passengers and flight crew uh, were saved, were rescued. Not, not one of them uh, lost, which is a pretty incredible, miraculous type story in, in and of itself. I uh, was watching some of the newscast about this and looking at these people that are standing on the wings. And my imagination began to go. You ever do that? Go there with me for just a moment. Imagine that you were on this flight. Imagine that within moments after takeoff, you hear the pilot say over the intercom, prepare for impact. And you're all buckled up and you're bent over and the next thing you know, your head is smashing into the seat in front of you and your body flies up into the air as you touch down on this river. And you look out and you see water all around you and pretty soon you feel it around your ankles. Doors begin to open up. You begin to make your way down an aisle and you go out and exit and you're standing on this wing, depending on your height, with water about mid-calf all the, or all the way up to your knee. The air temperature is around 12, 13 degrees Fahrenheit. The water temperature is right around 32 degrees Fahrenheit. This is stunning. This is shocking. This is disturbing. This is fearsome. And within minutes, these little boats, the ferry and the tugs and the rescue craft, they come up and everyone on the wing begins to leap into a rescue craft. And you're the last one. And you decide not to get into the rescue craft. And one of the rescue people say to you, Hey man, come on, what are you doing? Hop in. 
and you say, no, it's okay, uh, I'm fine. And the guy looks at you like you've lost your mind and says, Mister, come, get in, we're here to rescue you. And you reply with all confidence, I'm fine. And a couple of people that were standing on the wing with you and now are in the rescue craft, they began pleading with you because they were just standing where you're standing. Mister, you are going to freeze to death. Jump into the boat. And with that, you get a little bit angry. Who are these rescue boat fanatics? Always throwing their rescue boat opinions my way. And so you muster up some patience. I'm glad your rescue boat works for you. I'm fine. Now, I think you probably could imagine with me for a while, but there was a point in the story that it became so ridiculous, you no longer could imagine yourself out on that wing. That's because when it comes to crashed airliners in the middle of frigid rivers, you have no denial. However, there are other scenarios with which you do have denial, that I have denial. We talked about denial last week, that if we are going to take some steps toward a reasonably happy life, the first step is a step that says, I have to admit, I'm a needy person. I'm standing on the wing of an aircraft in the middle of a frigid river. I need help. I can't manage this by myself. I need a rescue craft that is beyond myself. You say, Scott, just what kind of problems do you think I have? Well, we talked about it at length last week. I think you have all kinds of problems, and so do I. Some of us are here today really battling grief, sorrow, loss. Some of us are, are dealing with some deep hurts. We've been wounded. Some have been abused. Others of us are so stressed and so uh, overloaded with burdens and problems and responsibilities with seemingly no light at the end of the tunnel that we are drinking too much, eating too much, working too much, playing too much. Others of us are going crazy trying to control everything. Some of us are just trying to finagle our way through with lies and exaggerations. And so last week we pleaded. Will you admit that you have needs? Will you bust through the denial? 
Everyone has hurts, hang-ups, habits. Everyone. And the question is, what will we do with them? Well, today, we're going to invite you to take a second step. We'll begin some of the conversation here. And we'll continue the conversation throughout the week as you read the Life's Healing Choices book, as you interact with the people in your small group, as you uh, deal with a little insert in your program with some uh, reflective questions. All helping you to take this second step, which basically is this. I not only admit i got a need, I'm going to get some help. I'm going to get some help. But it raises the question, doesn't it? If I'm going to get the help, where am I going to get that help? Where is the help? And what I'm contending for today is what Jesus was contending for a couple thousand years ago in His Sermon on the Mount where He exhorted, Blessed are you, happy are you who mourn, for you shall be comforted. You go, you know, that one never made sense to me. <laughs> that is like, I know, I'm, I'm sure, it's like a paradox, but Scott, what's that all about? I, it doesn't seem like a happy place, a blessed place to be when you mourn. But the, the, the reality is this, friends. You need help. I need help. We're hurt. We've got hang-ups. We've got habits. It's undoing our lives. Uh, we're powerless. We can't manage it. And so when you begin to mourn that reality, when you begin to own it for what it is, when you begin to feel the pain that actually is there, whether it's physical or emotional or psychological or spiritual, whatever kind of pain we're talking about, when you begin to own all that and feel all of that, then you are in a position to be comforted. And that comfort comes from beyond yourself, not from within yourself. It's not something that you can self-help your way into. It's something that comes from a power that is beyond yourself. And so what we're contending is that we come to believe there is a power that is greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. Now, let me highlight for just a moment what it means to come to believe. You say, Scott, uh, I'd like to believe, but I've got a lot of questions. I've got a lot of issues. There's a lot of uncertainties. And I would say to you, friend, that is fine. That's okay. Because what today's step and what we're going to be working on this week is about coming to believe. It's not saying you're going to have all your questions answered and all kinds of certainty uh, come into place. You're just going to begin to lean in the direction of belief. So let's imagine that I have a car issue and you have a car issue. And we're out here having a cup of coffee after the service, and we begin comparing notes, and I find out that you've been having your car issue addressed by a shop that's just not helping you. And so because I like you, because I care about you, 
And because I have a car shop that I've been going to for 10 years, and I have a high level of trust in that repair shop, and they took care of my situation at half the cost that your shop was giving you an estimate on. I'm telling you all about this. I'm saying, hey, you ought to go try this one. It's worked for me. I've been pleased with them. I think they've got integrity. I think they're honest. I think they'll treat you fairly. I think you'll be uh, you know, pleased with the outcome of it all. And because you've known me for a while, and you have noticed that typically I'm reasonably happy with my car, you choose to come to believe, to lean in the direction that my car shop might just work for you. That's what we're talking about today. That you come to believe there is a power greater than yourself that can restore you to sanity. You go, so tell me more about this power. Well, there are a lot of people that have recognized there is a power beyond us. But they haven't become that definitive in identifying the power. Some are just content to leave that power as something as unknown as the Force, as the Star Wars films would talk about. The Force. May the Force be with you. Whatever in the world the Force is. Others have come to refer to this power as kind of this nondescript, uh, energy, kind of like karma and kind of like what you put out there, it comes back your way. And, you know, there's a lot of things out there like that. What I'm contending for with you, my experience has been that this power is a person. And it's the person of God. Hebrews 11.6 says, anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And so my encouragement to you, based upon my experience today, is come to believe and lean in the direction of belief in the person of God. The ancient psalmist said in Psalm 62.5, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. Now, let me unpack the rest of that thought. I said, come to believe there's a power greater than ourselves, and I'm contending that that's God, so that He can restore us to sanity. And you go, well, Scott, I, you know, I kind of took it when you said I was needy. Now you're telling me I'm crazy? I'm insane? And by that, uh, I don't mean that insanity and crazy are synonyms, although sometimes insanity has its crazy ways. Sometimes we do act crazy. Amen. Okay. But a lot of the times, we don't even have all that absolute craziness going on, but we are acting insanely. And by that, we mean it's choosing broken ways with the hope of reasonable happiness. That's what insanity is. It's choosing broken ways with the hope that it will result in a reasonable amount of happiness. And those broken ways cannot produce the reasonable happiness. 
but we keep doing it. That's insanity. For example, let's imagine that a man came up in a home where his father abandoned him. Didn't have a father in the picture as he was coming up through the years. And let's imagine that that, that left something inside of him broken. Something inside of him says, you know what? Any, any guy that has a father that checks out on him must not be of much worth, must, must not be of much value. And so out of that brokenness, some kind of script gets written on the hard drive of his heart that says, I will prove that I have worth. I will show the world that I have value. And so he becomes an overachiever. He becomes an overachiever in athletics. He becomes an overachiever in academics. He, when he becomes an adult, he carries all that into the corporate world. He becomes an overachiever in climbing corporate ladders. And you know what? He, he meets and marries this woman, and she thinks he's a great guy. All of his work colleagues think he's a great guy. All of his social friends think he's a great guy. But deep inside of him, there's still this broken place that says, you ain't a great guy. Your old man checked out on you. And so there is this whole mentality that says, well, yeah, everybody thinks I'm a great guy. As long as I perform at such a high level, if I don't sustain that level of performance, the facade will come down and they'll all know I'm not a great guy and they shouldn't be hanging with me. And so he has all this stress on his life to maintain this high level of performance. And that stress is difficult. That stress hurts. That stress is, is painful. That stress is wearisome. And so to take a little edge off that stress, he has a few drinks. To take some of the edge off that stress, he has a few hits on the Internet with some porn sites. To, to take a little edge off of that, he begins to do some flirting with some women just to see if they kind of light up the, in, in such a way, in, in such a response that says, oh, you got it. And that hurt manifests itself in hang-ups that are being now wrapped around with habits. And before long, that insane behavior will result in either a broken health or a broken marriage. In some way, it will be a broken life. But he keeps on doing the broken stuff, thinking it will result in some reasonable happiness. Friends, that's insanity. Amen. Take a woman. Let's say she's got abuse issues. Let's say somewhere along the, the line through the years she was either physically or sexually abused. And inside that broken place says, you know what? There must be something really wrong with me that someone would treat me that way. I must be unlovable. I must be unlovely. I must be defective. I must be dirty or sinful. And so that woman chooses to address that internal pain in one of a couple of external ways. Let's say she chooses to go the shy route. And so some women deal with that whole broken place by being very shy, very reserved, very hard to get to know. In fact, uh, in their mind, if you persevere to get to know them, then you have proven they have value and worth, that there's not something t terribly awful inside of them. But guess what? There are not many people in this world 
that want to perpetually pursue someone to have relationship when they're constantly being uh, hands up and arms length distance. Not many people are going to push through that. And so she more or less reinforces for herself because there's not many people pressing through. I, I know it. I'm defective. I'm dirty. I'm sinful. Or she goes the other route and she becomes this vivacious life of the party type. And a lot of people hang around her life and act like her friends because, after all, she is funny. She is witty. She is uh, winsome and attractive to be around. But inside, she thinks, if I don't keep putting this energy of wit and fun and laughs out there, then they'll begin to know that I am who I am. And both of them, even though both those women, even though they've taken different paths to address that broken place, they're ending up at the same place. Depression, sadness, grief, internalized anger. And so they'll overeat a little bit. Maybe they even get anorexic and overeat and get rid of it. Or they'll drink a little too much. Or they'll have inappropriate sex. There'll be all kinds of behaviors that are manifesting itself because of these hurts and these hang-ups not being addressed. And to continue in that way is insane. And so what we're contending for today is that we, we come to believe, we lean in the direction that there is a God who has the power to restore me to sanity. Okay, okay, I, I, I'm with you that there's this power and maybe that power is God, but I guess I kind of have these messages and images through the years that God may not be that inclined to help me. I, I, I get it that He helps some people, that He helps you know, with their diseases and they get their healings and they have their good reports. But I just don't know that He'd do that for me. And so, friends, all I know to do is what Jesus did. And that is to remind you of the story of the prodigal son. Where Jesus says, you're wondering what God is like. This is what God's like. He's like a father whose beloved son is in a far away place. He's like a father that longs for that son to come back home. He's like a father that actually looks for the son to come back home. He's like a father that when the son does come home, he runs out there to meet him and embraces him and restores to him, all that had been lost in his broken ways. The reason Jesus told us that story is because that's what God is like. That's how God is bent toward you. And so I'm inviting you today to lean in belief toward God with the hope that He is also leaning toward you so that your life can know a connection 
with a benevolent God who wants to love, who wants to forgive, who wants to restore. What is sanity? Sanity is wholeness of mind. It's making decisions based upon the truth. What's the truth about you? God knows the truth. Not some distorted reality that came about through a hurt. He knows what a treasure. He knows what a precious choice son or daughter you are. And so when you're sane, you begin to know what God knows about you. You begin to see your life the way God sees your life. You not only know the truth about you, you know the truth about Him. Sanity is seeing God clearly in all of His goodness and greatness. And sanity is seeing others for who they really are. Every kind of personality that's out there, you begin to have some kind of discernment about what's behind that personality. Why do they put it out there that way? And you begin to learn how to accept and love people for who they are and not just what they're putting out there. So let me describe it to you this way. Sanity looks like strength. Where God gives you a strength that is beyond yourself to forgive to reconcile, to be restored, to break habits, to get out of addictive patterns, strength for liberation. It looks like acceptance, where you are able to enjoy His acceptance of you, you're able to uh, extend acceptance to others. You're able to accept the reality of the circumstances that are going on around you. Now, recently I was having a little time with a friend of mine who's in a very hard circumstance. And he has had some unjust, unfair things take place in his life, and the pain level is very high. He's just beside himself that life is so unfair right now. And in this state of agitation, this guy is like angry and a little bit on the repulsive side. You try to come around him and he's like talking in such a way that it just makes you want to go to another room, makes you want to leave. And he's playing in his mind over and over again these videotapes of these unjust things that have been going on in his life. And so I'm talking with him, and, and he's just angry, and he's hard to be around. And you don't want to hear all this volume of stuff, and he, he just keeps rehearsing and rehashing all this stuff that's going on in his life. And so I, I just began to pray, not out loud in my heart. I'm just like, God, bring a strength to his life that can free him from the resentment, the ongoing playing of the bitter tapes. Bring a strength 
that can relieve the whole anger, pressure cooker type thing that's just boiling over right now. And before I left, I encouraged him. Pray. I mean, I know you don't want to talk to God, but just ask God and then finish it. Okay? Say, God, will you bring a strength to my life that's beyond me? Next day, I had a little follow-up conversation with him, and guess what? God had brought some strength. He didn't have the -the over-the-top anger thing, and the resentments weren't still playing. And there was more of an acceptance. Didn't like it, but more of an acceptance of this is my reality. I can't change what already happened to me. With God's help, I can only move forward from what's already happened to me. An acceptance of reality and the people around. Sanity looks like a new life. So that as you get strength, as you gain a capacity to accept things for what they are, it gives you a new way of being. Not just a suppressed, ugly thing that I'm going to act like I'm okay with it. A new, transformed way of living. 24 hours later, this guy had a sound of peace. The day before, he's the most agitated guy I'd ever talked to. 24 hours later, he actually sounded like some measure. No circumstances had changed. But new life was working in him. Sanity looks like integrity. Because you see, when we're in our craziness, when we're in our insanity, when we're acting out with our hang-ups and our habits... We hurt other people. We uh, build mistrust. Our walk does not match our talk. People don't know how to take us. They don't know how believable we are. And, and we do damage to all kinds of relationships. But when you're saying, God starts doing an integrity thing in you so that your walk and your talk begin to sync up and people begin to find you believable again. They begin... To want to come around you again. They begin to be willing to trust you with friendship again. Relationship. Sanity looks like trust. Because you're coming to a point where you're finding, I don't like these circumstances, but you know what? God really is good. And you begin to have a new capacity to trust God. And yeah, these people that are around my life, some of them family, some of them friends, some of them work colleagues, they're broken, they're busted too. I'm going to begin to trust them again in appropriate measure. Capacity. I mean, you cannot have relationship with God or people without trust. And sane living begins to give new capacities for trust. And finally, all that is because of your higher power, of that power that's beyond yourself. 
the person of God. He at work in you as you're leaning into Him brings strength, acceptance, new life, integrity, trust. That's what it looks like to live a sane life. So, today's step is getting help. Will you do that? Will you continue to be with us over these Sundays of this series? Meet God in this place, in this hour, and allow Him to bring help to you? Will you continue to process this through the weekdays in your group? with your special prayer partner, accountability partner, will you continue to read that Life's Healing Choices book? Just allow God to speak to you through the scriptures that are in it, through the principles that are illuminated in it, through the writing and praying that you do. Will you go farther on? With whom? With a God that knows your name. With a God that loves you more than you love yourself. With a God who knows all the ins and outs of your life and stands ready to embrace. Let's worship Him.